Hi, I'm Jen Gorecki, the CEO of Coalition Snow. And I'm Jillian Raymond, a Coalition Snow ambassador. What we've learned over the years is that despite how good that epic powder day or trail ride was, there's still a lot more to talk about. So what we're doing is taking those conversations that we start on the chairlift and the trail, and we're delivering them to you in juicy bits every few weeks. FYI, friends, this podcast contains mature content and may not be appropriate for younger ears. You've been warned and enjoy the show. Juicy Bits is brought to you by Coalition Snow, a women's outdoor company making equipment and apparel designed to deconstruct the status quo. Hey everyone, Jen Gorecki here. I'm really excited to share some of the letters that we received after our first episode, Dude Soup. The first one comes from Callie and she wrote to us, as a female former bike shop owner, avid cyclist and skier, it still amazes me how often I encounter such a situation where I too wonder, really fella? Just last weekend, I went for a little ski boot shopping in my new hometown near Lake Tahoe. The boot fitter kept offering me 80 to 85 flex fuzzy liner boots, even when I asked for other stiffer, high performance unisex models by name. He finally retorted, you know, that's just a lot of boot. I grew up downhill ski racing. I've held a UCI cycling license. I shouldn't have to walk into a shop with my race resume pinned to my flannel to be taken seriously. It's not always the case, but underestimation and mansplaining happens too often to be tolerable. Thanks for acknowledging that it's still an active issue in the outdoor industry. Callie, you are very welcome, and I think we could do an entire episode on ski and outdoor shop experiences. Uh, our next letter comes from Tony, and he wrote to us, I just listened to Juicy Bits Dude Suit podcast. I've never heard that expression before, and I like it. I grew up with a strong mother and two older sisters. I called it swimming in an estrogen ocean. I love hearing the Coalition podcast. It's like I'm spying on the opposite sex, and it gives me great insight, which will assist me as a coworker, husband, and father of two active, amazing young daughters. Tony, we are so pumped to have you as an ally um, and love that you love the podcast. Keep letting us know what you think about it. Um, and we encourage all men, all, all humans to uh, let us know what they think. Um, Cheryl wrote to us, this is some really good feedback from, from Cheryl. She said, I found myself at times tense, gearing up for some man bashing. My only recommendation for all that is to come is to stay focused on working together, supporting one another, regardless of what junk sits between our legs. Couldn't have said it better, Cheryl, thank you. And finally, uh, this is from Beth. She's out of the Pacific Northwest, and she wrote to us, I think you guys had a great voice for bringing a fairly difficult topic to the table in a direct but light manner. She also said, though, that what she's looking for in podcasts are occasional guests, engaging back and forth commentary between co-hosts, and generally positive me messages. I know sometimes we have to get real, she said, but I love hearing the triumphs and little victories. Noted, Beth, and thanks for the feedback. All right, now we're going to move on to our next episode, so enjoy the show. 
Thanks for tuning in and joining us. Today we're going to be talking about the hashtag MeToo. You've seen it all over mainstream media. You've seen it on social media. You all have a story and we want to unpack it here and invite those stories to the air as well. So Jen, you were just speaking at She Ventures, which is a nationwide speaking tour and connects women in the outdoor adventure and travel industries. And you spoke about something you normally don't. It was yourself. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? As I was preparing for my talk for She Ventures, I really couldn't land on something that I was passionate about. And one day I just opened up my Facebook like I normally do, and I just saw one after another of these Me Too posts, and I was just sickened and saddened. And of course there were so many, because we all know that all of us can raise our hands to this. And since the initial Harvey Weinstein takedown, we've seen so many powerful men fall, and it's been fascinating and horrifying and disappointing. And when I first thought about sharing my story, I wondered what my community and I would actually get out of it. Like, who are we reminding that this was such a serious issue? And I was feeling frustrated that it took Hollywood stars speaking out for the world to pay attention. But when I realized how much my Me Too story had to do with my adventures in the outdoors, I wanted to share it at She Ventures and I want to share it here today. One reason why I want to share it is because there's a misconception that things like this don't happen to strong women. People don't think that strong women face emotional and physical abuse or that we suffer or that perhaps we're strong because we've had to deal with this shit. And when I was going through my situation, my friends couldn't believe that someone like me would tolerate this abuse and be in so much fear every single day. And what I realized is that this isn't really about women being strong or weak, because it's not about us. It's about weak men. Weak men who haven't joined the 21st century. Weak men who are afraid of change, who can't acknowledge their insecurities, who cannot see past their historical privilege. Weak men who feel better about themselves and expand their power by making others feel like shit. My Me Too story actually ends in a parking lot with a court bailiff escorting me to my car with his hand on his gun. I had just filed a restraining order against my ex. We owned a business together, so I was not only dealing with this at home, but at work too. And true to form, he was waiting in the hallway of the courtroom, um, and he jumped out and laughed at me and uh, ran away. And the bailiff was so scared for my safety that that's when he decided to walk me to my car with uh, basically his gun almost drawn. Despite the fact that my ex had been threatening me on text and email and voicemails, he would stalk me, drive by my house, um, peek into the windows of my house at 6 in the morning to see if anyone was there, look in the windows of my house at night. The one time that he did see someone there, he broke into my home and confronted us. He threatened to destroy my career. He threatened to destroy coalition. He threatened my livelihood. He did all of these things. But I did not get the restraining order against him because the judge said he hadn't hurt me yet. I just want to say that again. I didn't get the restraining order because this man hadn't physically hurt me yet. And that really made me think about the system that women have to endure. And it's not just about the individual acts that men commit against us, but this entire system that doesn't serve us. And that was a really uh, eye-opening experience. 
And you might be wondering, you know, how did I even let it get to this point? And I had a lot of reasons that most women do. We were financially tied to one another. Leaving him meant that I didn't know if I could pay my rent. We owned a business together. Society tells women that they shouldn't be single past 35 years old. I was afraid of what he would do to me if I left, just like there's a part of me now that's afraid of what can of worms I'm opening up by even telling this story publicly. And, um, you know, if he were to hear this or if his friends were listening to this, if that got back to him, like, what would happen to me? That's just still a lot of fear there. And then there was another reason why I didn't leave, and this probably makes the maybe the least sense or the most sense, I don't know. But, um... He was the best outdoor partner I could ever have. We never missed a powder day. He took me to all of those secret stashes and found the right blend of pushing me while respecting my boundaries. We rafted rivers that people had never heard of. My identity as an outdoor woman became so entwined in the relationship with him that I couldn't separate my love of the mountains with my love for him. And if I left him, I'd have to start all over again. And perhaps there's some climbers who might understand the significance of having a partner like this. But, um, you know, and I had friends, both men and women, that I could play with. But that was just different. My love of adventure in the outdoors was so wrapped up in someone else that it was really hard to leave. And I endured years of shitty relationship because I didn't want to lose my adventure partner. And obviously I did leave, and after I left, I was free, and I've never looked back. Uh, I was, you know, able to gain clarity on what was important in my life and how I wanted to live it. I realized that I could create my own identity independent of anyone else. And I still get out there today and play and love my time in the mountains. Uh, It's just different now, and different is good. And I just sort of want to end, I want to end my story with saying that I've had a lot of male friends approach me recently who are terrified of the number of allegations that are being brought against men, and they're wondering if they're next. They're sort of going through their Rolodex of experiences to think about if they're going to be the next one. And while I have empathy for other people because I don't want them to live in fear, it is really interesting that men now have to think about the things that they say and the things that they do just like women have always had to do. So men are starting to get a taste of what it's like to be a woman and and to sort of navigate our day-to-day. But I do realize that there are a lot of men out there who get this and who are on team equality. And to them, I want to invite all of the men who get this and who are on team equality to take the space and the power that you've been given by society and do something with it so that Me Too isn't just another trending hashtag. It's going to take both men and women to transform Me Too and every woman from a movement into tangible change for women. I just want to say, like, Jillian... When you and I were talking about this before we actually came to record it now, you brought up something that was really important. And you said that, you know, why do we always talk about the powerful men in these situations or the men who are sort of, you know, controlling all the shots? And we never talk about the women who have suffered because of the actions of these men and their words. And I'm just curious if you want to talk about that a little bit. 
Um, yeah, and I have to say, Jen, I'm sure at She Ventures there were women that completely responded to your story. I feel like our listeners now, there's probably a lot of women who maybe were never able to put it in that language, you know? And so I just, you know, I think putting that out there and sharing that story, it's just like this other layer of, of me too. And what you were bringing up to me, I, I find it, it's kind of like it's confusing or, or alarming. And I guess it's actually really just annoying to me. So I'm a, you know, a daily consumer of news media from all sides of the spectrum. It's, you know, I kind of want to listen to what the other half hears so I can kind of understand, you know, the larger picture. And I get it from multiple angles and outlets, but especially since this campaign, and I think about it historically too, it really, it, it's shocking to that the, the names of the men will be constantly repeated and heard. And I feel like it's this very sick perpetuation. And I don't think the media even recognizes that it's doing it, but, and I don't even want to say their names now, but just say some of the recent, whether out of Hollywood, out of the fashion industry, I can think of photographers and film producers. I can think of politicians that have recently been in the news. This one person, right? This man in a position of power, who's unfortunately set up this power structure where they think they can perpetuate this, like you spoke to these weak men in this weak society that we don't need an awareness around this, right? We need, we need action. We have the awareness, but what about the hundreds of women, their names, their stories? And I feel like if we shifted that again, one way, we're always trying here to deconstruct the status quo and kind of invite that paradigm shift instead of mentioning, um, the perpetrator, what about the survivors and their names at the forefront and their stories so that that invites other women to feel safe. I mean, I have, um, you know, friends that we share who've had situations here locally where they're facing harassment at work and they're intimidated to not speak about it. And then they're in similar situations. Like you pose like, well, I need this job. And I guess it's not that bad. He only did X. And it's like, if we're constantly like putting that and kind of sweeping it under the rug and, and just, you know, saying the man's name and saying the man, Oh, what a bad guy, bad guy, like shame on you. It's like, no, this is more of that systemic piece I feel like that further has women internalize that it's okay or somehow speaks to it being their fault or that it's shameful and having them being seen as weak and so that's a shift I think would be really impactful to give those women their name the names and the stories yeah and it's interesting you say that around saying the names because one thing that I found in my case is that I never wanted to publicly talk about this because this human being that I'm speaking of he, you know, he's the nice guy, air quotes, the nice guy, and everyone thinks he's the nicest guy, and people couldn't believe that this would happen, and as a woman, you don't, you don't really want to create more problems than you're already facing, so you never publicly come out about it, because you recognize that the retribution that you will face for even publicly talking about it, I mean, even right now, when this podcast airs, there's a likelihood that there will be people that know who I'm speaking about, and this person I'm speaking about could also be listening, and I'm opening up a can of worms here where this harassment could start all over again, and that silences so many women. So in this, in this you know, Me Too movement, I heard a lot of men say we had no idea that this was such an issue, and perhaps that's because women have learned that you are safer when you are silent. But that becomes incredibly problematic because these men continue to be able to be perpetrators. They continue to repeat these acts against woman after woman after woman because, number one, we think we're the only ones, and number two, dare we say anything because it will only make it worse. 
Well, and I think the the male as predator is something that is really important to look at, but what it also does is it sort of casts a really negative shadow over the entire gender. So we know we have our male allies out there. We know we have men who would in a, you know, who who don't engage in behavior like this. But with that sense of you know, so as a female, and I regularly travel alone. I um, I would go to conferences alone. I'm I'm comfortable sitting on an airplane in a middle seat. But I will tell you, if I'm next to two like imposing males, there is an immediate sense of I know what society has taught them that they can do and think that they can get away with and who is going to be on my side God forbid or in a situation where I'm needing to speak up for myself and I've seen this happen in in workplace environments in friends and relationships and it kind of goes back to what you started us with in that idea of you know seeing it on social media and seeing women's stories pop up it's like yes you've been maybe given a a little bit of like that safety in numbers but the awareness has been there for like for thousands of years I feel like that's hyperbole but I'm just going to go with it I mean hundreds of years right that we don't have to question that men have been in positions of power and preyed on women who not are necessarily weak but have internalized the sense of the silence is safer and we can even couch it in like being young kids in middle school and having that bully that you're oh go tell an adult it's like you go tell the adult and it makes it worse and you know and I think it's funny we were sitting this afternoon and we're in a downtown kind of little stellar spot and we look around we're in this fun eatery and all the photos on the wall were photos of famous men and forgive me there was one one photo of a bombshell woman who was recently quoted in the me too campaign obviously she's no longer living but was quoted that yes her in her career she spent most of her time on her knees and had she not done that there would have been plenty of women lining up to take her spot And so I think it's interesting when we look at how women are represented, you know, we're about half the world's population, yet here in the U.S. we're just hovering at 20% in the House and the Congress. And I think we have this, this movement we want to talk about, not awareness and action, is getting women with and their voices a seat at the table and getting them into public office. And so, you know, just a little plug for sheshouldrun.org and Emily's List for our women leaders out there that are interested in going into politics and want that guidance and that support, because that same intimidation, that same level of harassment, we see it happening in our state capitol. And we hear politicians justifying their behavior by just saying, that's just what I do. And then the media moves right along to something else. And it's like, wait, that's the old boys will be boys. You know, the locker room talk of our, you know, kind of toxic ogre with his white men in suits drooling at his every word. So when we're getting that level of top-down leadership, where is this Me Too, this kind of critical mass in this campaign kind of rising with the louder voice? And, you know, Jen, I've, I've kind of touched on this, like, I, we don't need the awareness. It's like we're, we are aware. Do you want to kind of talk a little bit about this issue of awareness? Anything you want to add? In, in so many instances, we're trying to make social change. A lot of times we think that the answer is education. It's about those people who don't know, and we need to educate them. And we're at a point now where if you don't recognize that women face harassment on a daily basis, primarily at the hands of, of, of men, and I, I will say, you know, we're here talking and we're, we're talking in a very, you know, binary construct of men and women. And one of the reasons why we're doing that is that that's what we're able to speak to. Jillian and I are 
heterosexual white women who are talking about the things that have faced us and clearly our experiences are limiting and don't represent a wide spectrum particularly around race class gender identity so I want to be really clear that like when we talk about men and women it's just really because that's all we're qualified to talk about shame on us if we start to talk about things that we don't know about right but you know with with that said that we know that this is something that women face and we're at a critical time in history where we don't need to be aware anymore like if you're not aware you're living under a fucking rock we don't need to be aware we need to actually take action and this is where i would extend my hand um, and extend an invitation to all of the white men in this country who have been granted power by society simply because of the way that they identify in, in this world and say to them, like, you have an incredible amount of power that you can use as an ally to support women. Because if you think that women on our own, that number one, we can do this by ourselves, or that number two, we should bear the burden of doing this on our own. We'll never get to where we want to get collectively. So anyone who shares these values that human beings shouldn't have to face harassment and abuse on a daily basis, the individuals with power should really step up to the plate and make their voices be heard. And for the individuals who don't necessarily have that power, just recognize that there's people that are listening to you and, and, and hearing you. And, um, and we're, we're definitely at this point where awareness isn't enough. We need to stand up against people who say things. We need to elect public officials who will advocate on our behalf. We need to look at where we spend our dollars. Don't put your money behind a company that doesn't stand behind the, um, the, the values that, that you hold. And, and really, we need to start taking action and move and, and take away. Like awareness is, is, is important, but we're, we're ready to move into the action phase. Um, Jillian, do you have anything else to add about that? You know, I think we, we want to hear from our listeners. We want to hear from you. Do you have a Me Too story that you want to share? Are you an agent of change? You're thinking about running for public office and we can help put your voice out there. Um, our male allies out there, we want to have you on the show as well. We want to talk about how we can have those smart people whose values are aligned with that kind of 21st century forward thinking because um, we want to change this shit and we can. Well, thanks for tuning in to the latest edition of Juicy Bits. We can't wait to hear from you, and we'll see you next time. Remember, there's always two lips to every labia.